Well, amidst all these comforts, I had but one wish, but one dream, to slip out the half-open window and run away onto the tiles. Caresses appeared to me insipid. The softness of my bed disgusted me. I was so fat that I felt sick. And from morn till eve, I experienced the weariness of being happy. That's a quote from The Paradise of Cats, written in 1864 by Emile Zola. Welcome to the Literary Catcast, dedicated to the preservation of books and writings with cats as main characters, bringing their awareness into the modern form of a podcast. I'm your narrator, Phoebe Phillips. Emile Zola was born April 2, 1840, in Paris. Died September 28, 1902, Paris. Zola was a French novelist, critic, and political activist who was considered one of the most prominent French novelists of the late 19th century. Born in Paris, he spent his youth in Provence. His father died when he was seven leaving he and his mom in dire financial straits. Zola was a schoolmate of Paul Cezanne, the painter. Cezanne would later introduce him to all the Impressionist painters. He twice failed his baccalaureate exam, which was required to further his education. From this, he spent the next few years unemployed and in poverty. It is rumored he survived by eating sparrows, trapped outside his attic window. Finally, he was hired as a desk clerk at a publishing firm. To supplement his income and make his mark as a writer, he began writing articles on current subjects of interest. He published his first of many novels at the age of 25. In the 1860s and 70s, in newspaper articles, he defended the art of Cezanne, Manet, Monet, Degas, and Renoir, and other Impressionist painters. He was a constant presence at weekly gatherings at studios and cafes. Zola's friendship with Cezanne and other artists was irreparably damaged by the publication of Zola's 1886 novel titled The Masterpiece. It depicted the life of an innovative painter who, lacking in self-confidence, hangs himself in front of his final painting. Cezanne chose to identify with it as a thinly disguised writing about his own temperament and talent. Angered, he ended his friendship with Zola. In support of Cezanne, the other Impressionist also ended their friendships. Zola was the founder and most celebrated member of the naturalist movement, publishing a 20-novel series exploring his theories as they related to nature and the arts. In 1898, Zola intervened in the Dreyfus Affair, which surrounded Jewish-French army officer Alfred Dreyfus, whose wrongful conviction of treason sparked a 12-year controversy deeply dividing French society. Zola decided, rightly, that Dreyfus was innocent, 
He fiercely denounced the French government in writings, but the most notable was an open letter beginning with the words, I accuse. For his staunch opinion, Zola was prosecuted for libel and found guilty. From this, he fled to England. The following year, he returned to France when he learned the Dreyfus case was to be reopened with a possible reversal of the original verdict. He died unexpectedly in September 1902, the victim of a coal gas suffocation resulting from a blocked chimney flue. Officially, his death was deemed to be an accident, but some believe the fanatical anti-Dreyfusards arranged to have the chimney blocked. Sola was recognized as one of the greatest novelists in Europe and as a man of action, a defender of truth and justice, a champion of the poor and persecuted. Crowds of mourners, both poor and prominent, lined the streets to salute the passing casket. Today, his remains are in the Pantheon, placed alongside those of Voltaire, Rousseau, Victor Hugo, and other French authors whose works changed the course of French history. His writings were deep and thoughtful, and I can tell you one thing. He wrote a beautiful cat story. I found it in an anthology titled Puss in Boots, edited by Elizabeth Drew and Michael Joseph, published by Dodd, Mead, and Company, New York. Copyright 1932, by Elizabeth Drew and Michael Joseph. It's written from the point of view of the cat, so I'll try to give you my best talking cat voice. And now, it's time for a cup of tea and the story, The Paradise of Cats, by Emile Zola, written 1864. I can hear my tea kettle, and the kitten named Pids is asleep on the rug under my chair. An aunt bequeathed me an Angora cat, which is certainly the most stupid animal I know of. This is what my cat related to me one winter night before the warm embers. I was then only two years old, and I was certainly the fattest and most simple cat anyone could have seen. Even at that tender age, I displayed all the presumptions of an animal that scorns the attractions of the fireside. And yet, what gratitude I owed to Providence for having placed me with your aunt. The worthy woman idolized me. I had a regular bedroom at the bottom of a cupboard with a feather pillow and a triple-folded rug. The food was as good as the bed. No bread or soup. Nothing but meat. Good, underdone meat. Well, amidst all these comforts, I had but one wish, but one dream, to slip out the half-open window and run away onto the tiles. Caresses appeared to me insipid, the softness of my bed disgusted me. I was so fat that I felt sick. And from morn till eve, I experienced the weariness of being happy. 
I must tell you that by straining my neck, I had perceived the opposite roof from the window. That day, four cats were fighting there, with bristling coats and tails in the air. They were rolling on the blue slates in the full sun amidst oaths of joy. I had never witnessed such an extraordinary sight. From that moment, my convictions were settled. Real happiness was upon that roof in front of that window, which the people of the house so carefully closed. I found the proof of this in the way in which they shut the doors of the cupboards where the meat was hidden. I made up my mind to fly. I felt sure there were other things in life than underdone meat. There was the unknown, the ideal. One day, they forgot to close the kitchen window. I sprang onto a small roof beneath it. How beautiful the roofs were! They were bordered by broad gutters, exhaling delicious odors. I followed those gutters in raptures of delight, my feet sinking into the fine mud, which was deliciously warm and soft. I fancied I was walking on velvet, and the generous heat of the sun melted my fat. I will not conceal from you the fact that I was trembling in every limb. My delight was mingled with terror. I remember particularly experiencing a terrible shock that almost made me tumble down into the street. Three cats came rolling over from the top of the house towards me. Mewing most frightfully, and as I was on the point of fainting away, they called me a silly thing, and said they were mewing for fun. I began mewing to them. It was charming. The jolly fellows had none of my stupid fat. When I slipped on the sheets of zinc heated by the burning sun, they laughed at me. An old Tom, who was one of the band. Showed me particular friendship. He offered to teach me a thing or two, and I gratefully accepted. Ah, your aunt's cat's meat was far from my thoughts. I drank in the gutters, and never had sugared milk seemed so sweet to me. Everything appeared nice and beautiful. A she cat passed by. A charming she cat. The sight of her gave me a feeling I had never experienced before. Hitherto, I had only seen those exquisite creatures with such delightfully supple backbones in my dreams. I and my three companions rushed forward to meet the newcomer. I was in the front of the others and was about to pay my respects to the bewitching thing when one of my comrades cruelly bit my neck. I cried out with pain. Bah! Said the old Tom, leading me away. You will meet with stranger adventures than that. After an hour's walk, I felt as hungry as a wolf. What do you eat on the roofs? I inquired of my friend the Tom. What you can find, he answered shrewdly. This reply caused me some embarrassment, for though I carefully searched, I found nothing.
At last I perceived a young work girl in a garret preparing her lunch. A beautiful chop of tasty red color was lying on a table under the window. There's the very thing I want, I thought in all simplicity. And I sprang onto the table and took the chop. But the work girl, having seen me, struck me a fearful blow with a broom on the spine. And I fled, uttering a dreadful oath. You are fresh from your village, then, said the Tom. Meat that is on tables is there for the purpose of being longed for at a distance. You must search in the gutters. I could never understand that kitchen meat did not belong to cats. My stomach was beginning to get seriously angry. The Tom put me completely to despair by telling me it would be necessary to wait until night. Then we would go down into the street and turn over the heaps of muck. Wait until night? He said it quietly, like a hardened philosopher. I felt myself fainting at the mere thought of this prolonged fast. Night came slowly. A foggy night that chilled me to the bones. It soon began to rain, a fine, penetrating rain, driven by sudden gusts of wind. We went down along the glazed roof of a staircase. How ugly the street appeared to me. It was no longer that nice heat, that beautiful sun. Those roofs, white with light, where one rolled about so deliciously. My paws slipped on the greasy stones. I sorrowfully recalled to my memory my triple blanket and feather pillow. We were hardly in the street when my friend the Tom began to tremble. He made himself small, very small, and ran stealthily along beside the houses, telling me to follow as rapidly as possible. He rushed in at the first street door he came to, and purred with satisfaction as he sought refuge there. When I questioned him as to the motive of his flight, he answered, Did you see that man with a basket on his back and a stick with an iron hook at the end? Yes. Well, if he had seen us, he would have knocked us on the heads and roasted us. Roasted us, I exclaimed. Then the street is not ours? One can't eat? but one's eaten? However, the boxes of kitchen refuse had been emptied before the street doors. I rummaged in the heaps in despair. I came across two or three bare bones that had been lying among the cinders, and I understood what a succulent dish fresh cat's meat made. My friend the Tom scratched artistically among the muck. He made me run about until morning inspecting each heap and without shooing the least hurry. I was out in the rain for more than ten hours, shivering in every limb. Cursed street. Cursed liberty. And how I regretted my prison. At dawn, the Tom, seeing I was staggering, 
said to me with a strange air. Have you had enough of it? Oh, yes, I answered. Do you want to go home? I do, indeed. But how shall I find the house? Come along. This morning, when I saw you come out, I understood that a fat cat like you was not made for the lively delights of liberty. I know your place of abode, and will take you to the door. The worthy Tom said this very quietly. When we had arrived, he bade me, Goodbye, without betraying the least emotion. No, I exclaimed. We will not leave each other so. You must accompany me. We will share the same bed and the same food. My mistress is a good woman. He would not allow me to finish my sentence. Hold your tongue, he said sharply. You are a simpleton. Your effeminate existence would kill me. Your life of plenty is good for bastard cats. Free cats would never purchase your cat's meat and feather pillow at the price of a prison. Goodbye. And he returned up onto the roofs, where I saw his long outline quiver with joy in the rays of the rising sun. When I got in, your aunt took the whip and gave me a thrashing, which I received with profound delight. I tasted in full measure the pleasure of being beaten and warm. Whilst she was striking me, I thought with rapture of the meat she would give me afterwards. You see, concluded my cat stretching itself out in front of the embers, real happiness, paradise, my dear master, consists of being shut up and beaten in a room where there is meat. I am speaking from the point of view of cats. The Literary Cat Cast is here to help you find new authors and cat characters. It's my dedication to preserve these writings that may disappear if not brought into a modern form. And it is my great hope that 80 to 100 years from now, someone will find this podcast and continue bringing these stories into the modern form of that future day. You can find everything about this podcast on our website, theliterarycatcast.com. And there you can see Kitten Pids, the voice that meows for this episode, and all the other kitties featured in podcast episodes. The Literary Catcast is recorded in my Holland Avenue studio in Dallas, Texas. I do all the research, writing, recording, and editing. And a five-star review on Apple is greatly appreciated. Our music is titled Swagger Move. It's from Melody Loops. And now stay for the final meow. His long name is Ollie Piddles Juan Canittles. We call him Pids. He was a year old August 31st, this year, 2020. We were foster failures. I'm Phoebe Phillips. 
Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.